0: The Old Testament reading for this, the fourth Sunday in Advent, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the seventh chapter. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come, since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank be God. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and salvation. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the first chapter. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the reading of the Gospel. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel," which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And this is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you seen those bracelets? They were really popular a few years back, but I still see some today. WWJD. It means, what would Jesus do? The idea is that you are to live a life like Jesus. When you find yourself wondering what to do in any situation... You're to look at your wrist and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then act accordingly. It's an admirable goal, but sadly, it's an impossible one. Certainly, we strive to live a godly life, and we do seek to emulate Jesus in all our deeds. But the fact is, there's no way that we can do what Jesus did all the time. There is no way that we can be without sin in every deed what would Jesus do? Well, he would die on the cross, giving himself over to death to take away the sins of scum like me. I can't do that. And so today we're going to look at those same letters, WWJD, in a little different way. We're not asking what would Jesus do, because we know that that is far beyond our capabilities. We are going to set the bar much, much lower. We are going to give ourselves slightly more realistic expectations. And yet, even here, it's not a walk in the park. Because even our new version of WWJD is going to involve a lot of heartbreak, a lot of difficulty, and a whole lot of faith in the face of the impossible. Looking at our Gospel reading for today, let's ask a different question. WWJD, what would Joseph do? Well, our reading begins a few months before the first Christmas. And Mary, betrothed to Joseph, legally married yet not fully married as they haven't consummated the marriage, is found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. What would Joseph do? Well, to start with, Joseph resisted, and he did not believe. And honestly, can we blame him? Can you imagine what you would think if your fiancé came to you with Mary's story? That she's pregnant, but the child isn't a product of adultery. It's God's child. That's a ridiculous story. It is downright unbelievable. And so Joseph, being human, being a kind but intelligent man, decided what he was going to do. He wanted to do the right thing by quietly divorcing her, breaking off their marriage, ending any plans of being together fully as husband and wife. And he did this because he didn't want to disgrace Mary. Now these days, it's no surprise when someone winds up pregnant before they're married. Living together before marriage is no longer frowned upon but actively encouraged. Premarital sex is just kind of assumed to be the normal thing. And even being with someone while she's carrying another man's child is not really that uncommon anymore. But in Mary's days, she was in a tough spot. It was a disgrace to her entire family for her to be before she was married. This was still rightly recognized as sinful adultery that should not be taking place in a civilized culture, especially among God's people. She could have been exiled or shunned. She could have even been put to death for adultery. Guided by God's word, Mary's culture recognized just how detrimental to family life and the entire culture premarital sex was. And they took it very, very seriously, as we ourselves still should. And so, Joseph wanted to do the right thing by ending the engagement. Sending her away quietly and just getting on with his life. Now, this was not just for Mary's benefit either. He also didn't want to disgrace himself. He didn't want people to question his own actions and his own chastity. He didn't want the stigma of being married to an adulteress. He did not want to be joined in marriage to a woman that he assumed had been unfaithful before they were married. He wanted to do what was right in the eyes of the world because that's what would have made sense in the middle of this crazy, unbelievable series of events. And because of that, oftentimes we look at Joseph in a less than flattering light, and we kind of assume he wasn't that great of a guy. I mean, he wants to just divorce Mary and move along. But that's a big mistake for us to make when we're thinking about poor Joseph. Joseph played such a crucial part in the nativity And yet, he is so overlooked. He isn't celebrated the way that Jesus, Mary, the shepherds, even the wise men are. He often doesn't get a speaking part in Christmas pageants. He rarely gets to be on the annual Christmas stamp put out by the post office. Even in our own hymnal, I couldn't find an appropriate Advent hymn which spoke of the faith that Joseph had. He's kind of the bass player of the nativity scene just sort of blending into the background, doing his important part, but without any fanfare or admiration. Nobody notices him. Nobody really cares about him. And that's sad, really, because what a grand illustration of faith Joseph actually is. Amid all the uncertainty and fear and chaos of that first Christmas, what would Joseph do? Well, Joseph heard the word of God, And though it all seemed to be completely impossible, he believed. God spoke to him, and Joseph responded in faith. The angel said, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And fear is indeed what Joseph was feeling. Fear that he was not the only man in Mary's life. Fear of what the community might do and say. Fear that he was being played for a fool with this ridiculous story. But God came to him to take those fears away and to give him the courage and the strength to do what was actually right, not just right in the eyes of the world. God didn't take away the whispers and the rumors and the mockery. God didn't say, hey, tell you what I'll do. I'll make it so nobody can see that Mary's pregnant. That'll just make things a lot easier. But God did give Joseph the strength and the faith to endure those things. For a much greater purpose. Despite what the world says was right. Joseph believed God's word. By faith Joseph did not divorce Mary. And took the child as his own. He married Mary despite the shame and the ridicule and speculation. That was absolutely certain to follow. And then when the child was born. Joseph named him Jesus. Now, that's a little overlooked fact there, but it's so important. By naming his son, he publicly took the child as his own and said, this is my son. I am not ashamed to have him in my family. And he gave him the name that God had prescribed. Not his own name, not a family name, but the name Jesus. A variation of the Old Testament name Joshua, which means He saves. By faith, Joseph believed the promises of God and he acted accordingly. What would Joseph do? He would believe, despite the impossibility and craziness of God's word. He would cling to the word of the Lord and do the actual right thing, not the easy thing. And that's why we can look to Joseph. And we can pray to God that we would be more like him, that we would have the strength to do what he did. Because while we may never be called to serve as the earthly father of Jesus Christ, we are very much like Joseph in many ways, called to do what the world says is wrong, impossible, and crazy because of our Christian faith. And like Joseph, when we first heard of God's miracles, we too resisted. And we did not believe. Our sinful nature told us God couldn't really love us. He doesn't have anything to offer us. The world tells us that what God said couldn't possibly be true and he couldn't actually exist. Everything within and without told us we had no need of God. He was not real and there was nothing at all that we could have gotten from him. But then God spoke. He continued to come to us. And as God spoke his amazing, unbelievable word, we believed. His law convicted us of our sin and said, You are indeed in peril and in need of a Savior. And then his glorious gospel proclaimed, That Savior has come to you in the flesh. His word united with the waters of baptism to work faith in our sinful, rebellious hearts. Faith without any earthly assurance that the world could see. Faith even though we were maybe just infants, maybe even just days old. And his word continually speaks to us today. Not that it gives us a new, updated, and totally different message each week to make sure we're still in line with our culture. His steadfast, unchanging, infallible word, it fills our lives with its consistent divine message. His word reassures us just as it reassured Joseph. He tells us, do not fear to believe my promises. He says, I am with you always. He says, I love you and I forgive you. Despite the fact that the world mocks and ridicules these ideas, God speaks and it is the truth. His word it does far more than just reassure us or give us a pat on the head. His word has power, and it does what it says. When God says, do not fear, he takes our fear from us. When God says, I am with you, he truly is present and active in each of our lives. In our daily lives, at the lowest point possible, when we are rejoicing because everything is going right in all circumstances, God himself is with us. And when God says, I forgive you, you are forgiven. Forgiven because God came to us in the flesh to take away our sin. Forgiven because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Forgiven because God loved you enough to die in your place. To cleanse you of all of your guilt. To give you his robe of righteousness and restore you as his beloved child. Cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Empowered by God's holy word, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to do the truly right thing, to live a life of Christian faith. We proclaim Jesus as the one and only way to salvation, even in a world that rejects and despises and mocks him. Despite the ridicule that we know will come our way, we live out our Christian faith. Despite the shame sometimes heaped upon us, even by family and friends, we live out our Christian faith. By God's word, we do not fear to believe, and we do not fear to live out our beliefs publicly. We share Jesus Christ with the whole world around us in everything that we do and say, not just on Sunday mornings, Not just when we're at a church function or volunteering for a humanitarian cause or when we're wearing a thriving t-shirt in public. We constantly live out our lives of faith as a witness to others. We strive to live according to God's holy word. And when we fail, and we will fail, we profess our faith in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Living as Christians, it's not about being perfect. It's about being forgiven and living in faith and grace, trusting in God's promises and his strength instead of our own. We stand firmly in the word of God, proclaiming that his way is better than anything that we ourselves or this sinful world could come up with, just like Joseph did. Despite his original doubts and disbelief, by the power of God's word, Joseph acted in faith. He believed Mary, and he took the child as his own. Now, does this mean that he never had his doubts later on, that he lived a perfect life of faith? Of course not. Joseph, though a shining example of faith, who was chosen to be our Savior's earthly father, he was human, and he was a sinner just like you and me. His was not a life of perfect, unwavering faith, and neither is ours, but strengthened by God's holy word. Clinging to his promises in faith, we believe every word from the mouth of the Lord. We believe that this child is the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. We believe that he came to take away all of our sins. We believe that we have been forgiven just as God has said. What would Joseph do? On his own, he would turn away from the salvation of the promised Messiah would cast aside the word of God as nonsense and would reap the eternal death of hell that he rightly deserved as a sinner, just like every single one of us would. By the grace of God, by the power of God's holy word, Joseph believed. Joseph welcomed Jesus with joy and love despite what the world around him thought. Joseph put his faith in God's word and by it was saved. And that same word that same Messiah, that same glorious faith has been given to us by the grace of God. We too believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We too rejoice this Christmas at the birth of the promised Messiah. We too, by the grace of God, have received that same precious salvation given to Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and all those who believe in the one true God. For by the shed blood of this promised infant Jesus, by his cross and by his empty tomb, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.